Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Parent Engage Your Parent Show. Today's topic, male's engagement. Once again, male engagement, getting male role models involved in education. Today we have a group of panelists that we're going to talk to. Normally our show is live, but today we want to have an opportunity to talk to our panelists. We have guest John Little from the Surge Team, Director of Memphis Lift. We also have with us today Principal Rashawn Mickens from Roselle Bureau Public Schools of Abraham Clark High School. And we also have with us today Pastor Lipe Fernandez. We want to thank these gentlemen for taking the time out to um, have a conversation with us in regards to how we are able to get our men to be engaged. So I definitely want to thank you guys for um, coming on board, and I'm definitely interested in hearing your intake on how we can build the male involvement in our schools. So with that, we want to join in our guest, Mr. John Little. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Frazier? How we doing, John? How's everything with you? Fired up and ready to go. I hear that. I want to also introduce our next guest, Mr. Fernandez. Pastor Fernandez. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, and I'm just excited to be able to have a the time of conversating on this important topic. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So today we um, definitely want to talk about parent involvement in schools. Tap into the male component of um, engagement in schools. I have a heavy desire for parent engagement, and I know as I work in this space of parent engagement, I am definitely thoroughly and blessed to have such amazing women and mothers who work diligently in this space to continue to advocate for our children, for quality education, and for the services and the funding that needs to be a part of our public education system. Yet today, I want to definitely tap into our brothers and tap into um, our fathers, our uncles, our brothers, our nephews, the men who play roles in these scholars' lives and how we need them to be active in the school. I want to just take a time and, and, and just say, traditionally it's been carried by mothers, and I, and I stated that earlier. Yeah, boys and girls need positive male role models just the same. When fathers take active roles in education, school reports indicate that the school, the child's achievement grows and is much higher. Yet, I know there's barriers on why males, fathers tend not to be as thoroughly um, participating in the education of their children. So I wanted to talk to you, gentlemen, if I had, to, if I could have the chance, and, and, and could you tap into some of the beliefs and the um, that go into why males may not be as engaged? I have just a couple, maybe we could tap into the belief that children's education is a mother's responsibility. There's a tendency for schools to communicate primarily with the mothers. Also, the divorce or separation of mothers from the soul, um, for having sole custody of their children and fathers not being as engaged in the household or in the co-parenting. And then fathers demand for on their work schedule. I know that's a, a big a big to-do. So if we could just tap into those four right, right now, gentlemen. And in no specific order, but definitely if we could tap into the belief that children's education is the mother's responsibility. 
Yeah, this is um, John, and I'll start off first. I'll say shout out to the strong mothers who just really held it down for us, for my father, for my father's father, who, due to circumstances, both that were present and direct and indirect, was just not there. I mean, I remember in my childhood, my mother was always there. My dad popped up in the least when, you know, I was really in trouble and it was something that she couldn't handle. Um, although I think he wanted to be, um, he just didn't know how to. And I think our generation leading up to where I am now and not seeing my father but believing so much in education, I just think it's my right and my duty to be a part of my son's education, um, not only my son but my nieces and nephews. And I think barriers were, and, and maybe this is right, maybe this is not right, but through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and part of the 90s, just black men went through a lot with with mass incarceration, with the with drug dealing, with um, drug using, so much that, I mean, I don't know if the study was real effect, but it was like more black men are in jail than they are in college. Um, we were just dealing with so much then. But that's my quick comment. Interesting. Pat, um um, you have a thought on the belief that children's education is the mother's responsibility? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, that you bring up these uh, different concepts because I believe that everything is all on, on the mindset that, that we bring in to raising our children. As the, the other guests on, on the show just mentioned, you know, we definitely commend all the moms that have done great work and really just uh, we're there to be able to support their children but I feel that there's a lot of parents there's a lot of especially fathers that have been around but because the mentality is that this that's the responsibility of the mother that there's certain roles that it's just the mom like there's certain things that a a man does not do um this macho mentality like no that's for the for the women which obviously I, it doesn't make too much sense that a, a young boy is going to learn manhood from from his from his mother, but many times that that's something that that is given to is delegated to the mom. So I, I think it, it it starts with with the mentality mentality change and the man that really want to be around and uh, the man that have seen the the benefit of having other good influences around them. So if yeah. if, if a father's not in the home. Who can we tap into? What other mentor? What other coach? What other uh, person yep. that believes in the value of education? That's that's the main thing. At, at the end of the day, uh, children they're gonna they're gonna do what they see, not what we tell them to do. So if they see other men succeeding in education, they're most likely gonna follow it. Um, but unfortunately, it, it's not their their fault. They, they sometimes that's lacking in the home, like. What they just mentioned, there's so many other factors are external, but the idea is how can we at least tap into a different mindset in order to start changing a whole generation? That's my thoughts on it. Oh, definitely. Let's let's dig a little deeper in the in this thought of because I hear what you're saying in regards to some of the difficulties as far as incarceration, as far as you know not having an example yourself as a as a father. Yeah, what about the um, opportunities for the fathers who aren't in those situations? You know, some of the barriers are the work, the workload. You know, some of the barriers are just wasn't informed or didn't think the school 
you know, needed my participation. What about those levels of engagement of men? Yeah, and this is John. I think traditionally it has been the woman's role. I think in the day and times we were living in, um, as our parents and grandparents, the role of the man was to be a provider, to work hard and to come home and provide food. And the mother's um, traditional job was to take care of the home, which also meant like taking care of the education and making sure um, everything was all right and, and really building up the boys and the girls, but mainly just making sure the boy had a good education. Man, this, this world has changed so much. Um, that, and, and I think back in those times through the 70s, through the 90s, we really got left behind because the the traditional role was still being used, but our school systems were failing. Our school systems were not providing adequate education. And and the little boys needed the men. The little girls needed their fathers, like, in the school. And when it wasn't there, everything just continued to crumble. Okay, definitely. Pastor? Yes, sir. Yeah, to to, to me, the way that, that I see it is that um, if we education for our children just as a, as a task to be done, uh, it's something that I wouldn't sign up for. If it's something that, you know, doing homework, and that's what I feel does not motivate many children today, and, and uh, even parents to engage, sometimes even moms to engage in the education of their children a day-to-day. Um, but even the parents or, or the fathers that are consistently working, there's always some time that is available, and we could teach as we go. Um, it's a matter of, of bringing them in to the learning and giving them the respect that a child deserves the same way that we expect a child to respect an adult. So I would just say something like, you know, I, I was uh, uh, very, uh, I had the, the blessing of having my father at home, but not everything I learned from him, you know. So, for example, there were things that I wish we would have, as he went, as he did his budget, for example, for the whole month at the house. It, it would have it been good to hear more about his own struggles on how to budget and balance a book, you know, on a, on a monthly. And that's financial literacy. That would have been very helpful for me. But I had to learn it somewhere else, you know. So it's a matter of also inviting them in as we go and seeing the man have something to teach um, that they enjoy to teach. Um, and obviously there's going to be other support groups that will allow to, to, to get the whole child and the whole education that they need. But I feel it's just a matter of making it not a job, not a task, but more of a, a part of the, the daily life of the family. So that that's my, my suggestion. That's what I feel that's probably lacking a little bit. And, it, and that, that's very important. One of the things that you mentioned, um, sir, was being educated as a man into understanding the role that we can play. I want to take this opportunity for my listeners who will be listening in to take a, a small glimpse of who is on the phone. So I know that I've always intend to have parents on this opportunity to this topics and on this show, yet I also make sure that there's people of substance that really play a part in what we're talking about. So if we can just give us a, a quick understanding of what are you what 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 is Memphis Olymp and the importance of what you do there, Mr. Little and, and Pastor also, what role do you play in education, if any, in our communities? I want I want to, I want the pastor if you could go first 
on your yeah. role as a male in education in our communities. Again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Pastor Lipa Fernandez. I'm in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, I, I pastor a, a multicultural church in, in the heart of, you know, um, of the inner city, the inner yeah. city. But along with that, we, we also, um, I, I'm also part of the school board uh, for the public schools here in Jersey City, which is the, the second largest district in New Jersey. So we're trying to get leadership there, along with other initiatives that we do, just training and equipping different nonprofits on how to engage, especially um, young people, and, and holistically mm-hmm. help them, especially in, in inner city youth, and, and obviously work that we do even international, but in the same settings, uh, whether it be Haiti, whether it be um, Ecuador, Mexico, but the whole idea is to, to, to serve the whole family through, through the youth. That's my work. No, a beautiful work. I've, I've heard some of the work that you've been doing. I definitely appreciate you taking your expertise and bringing it to the school boards because we need that quality of leadership and expertise and engagement in these school boards so we can continue to have quality education in our children's futures. A little, what's going on in Memphis? I want, I want the listeners to know that we state to state. What's going on over there when we talk about yeah, engagement man. of parents and education? What what, what what it look like over there, sir? Yeah, so one, I uh, really appreciate you for inviting me on. I um, met you a couple months ago, and to be on your show is, is honor and respect. Um, my work with the Memphis Lift is, is really serious and is really about educating parents about the issues, about the true issues on a district level and a state level policy-wise. It's engaging them in the process, whether it's going to your local school board or going to your um, state house or state senator. And then it's about, like, the empowerment part, which is the biggest part. And it's for me to say I can help build something up that's for parents and by parents but it's not for me to run it. And so the Memphis Lift really educates, engages, and empowers parents around the school system and school-level policy so much to the parents that I recruited. Um, One of them, I now work for them, and I send my weekly action report because it's about them leading the work in their own city. And so that's the Memphis Lift. Um, You can look them up at at, uh, Memphis Lift Facebook and on Twitter, the Memphis Lift, and you'll see some of the great things they're doing in the community. No, and I want to definitely second the opportunity of meeting you at our New Jersey Summit for the last two years. You were um, instrumental yes, in definitely what we were, what we strive to see and understand here in New Jersey on parent engagement and what we can do as parents to strengthen our voice. And you've been committed, you know, outside of doing it in Memphis, you know, coming to Jersey and making sure that we get a whiff of what's going on and how thoroughly it's going on in, in, in places like Memphis, Tennessee. So I want to definitely continue to thank you for being a brother on this struggle as, once again, men um, sharpening men. And I, normally uh, my panel is a is an opportunity of uh, a three legs, a parent, a guest, and an educator. So right now I want to take the time in to bring the third leg of my panel my educator, my friend, Principal Mickens. Hello. How's it going, brothers? How we doing, Principal Mickens? I want to let you know you're on the phone with Pastor Fernandez and my brother John Little from Memphis Lymph. Awesome. Can you hear me? I'm doing well, gentlemen. I'm doing well. 
Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, we can I, jump I wanna, right in. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I just want to uh, thank uh, Mr. Frazier, a longtime friend of mine, for allowing me this opportunity to uh, voice, you know, some of my concerns also to, uh, you know, have dialogue with a bunch of, uh, you know, very powerful men, you know, that are well-rounded. So this is a great opportunity for us to uh, have a voice here, and I'm glad he's given us this platform. And, and, and I thank you for taking that opportunity because one of the reasons this gelled the way it is because brothers like you guys are doing the work, so it's easy to find a strong panel like this because brothers are doing the works, and when we all doing the work, we know who we are. And I want to thank you for coming on board and also jumping into the conversation of male engagement getting male role yeah. models involved in education. And I'm need yeah. really not to say much to you about it because you have a tremendous program that you run on male engagement yeah. at your school. And you also mm-hmm. know the importance of why males should be involved in education. So we got an opinion from a school board member and a father and a leader in our community. And then mm-hmm. we have another opinion from an activist, an advocate, and a p- father also in the um, education mm-hmm. system. So now as an educator, from your stance, why is it important for male involvement in, in education? Well, I, I, first and foremost, um, I, I think it's important for especially other males to see males that are in the field of education. You know, oftentimes we, we often hear about the uh, education field as being female-dominated, right? So when, when males step up to the plate and you know, they take on that responsibility of educating others. I, I think it just really, it, it resonates differently, you know. Um, for myself, as the school principal, high school principal, I know for me, the young men especially, uh, definitely look up to me in a very positive light, knowing that, you know, I'm there for them, knowing that, you know, I have their best interests at heart, um, you know, knowing that I, I take on, no, not just the role of an educator, but that father figure role. The only that I take on the role is the big brother, the big uncle. Um, they can come to me when, you know, there's issues, there are concerns, you know. I, I can definitely uh, be the person that's the buffer for them. And, you know, just developing those uh, relationships with students and making them feel comfortable to talk and engage in conversation with you to break down some of those obstacles and barriers, you know, I feel as, as male, male um, educators, I think it's very powerful for those individuals to see that. And, you know, uh, taking it a step further with our young women, uh, oftentimes the population that I work with and that many of us work with, um, you know, young women oftentimes may not have the father figure at home or, you know, there there may be, uh, you know, some, some absenteeism on the part of the male figure in the household. So um, being that person that fills that void as well is very important, um, mainly because they get a chance to, uh, see a male uh, figure in a positive light, you know, as opposed to it being negative. You know, he's about, you know, making sure that, you know, education's top priority is what they're saying. He's about making sure that I'm getting to school on time, that my grades are kept up, and, you know, he's definitely invested in my future. So, you know, I, I see that a lot in my students, and we take great pride in that. So I think, you know, as men um, that are in education, we definitely um, have a, a lot to provide to those students that are out there, especially those that are in a disadvantage within society. So, you know, we share and play an important role in the lives of, of all of our children. 
opportunity. And I gave the opportunity to the um, panelists outside of the questions that they um, they answered for me. Also, just a little bit on the work because that's the important part. Pastor talked about his work in the community from his church mm-hmm. and also working with other organizations that work with parents, that work with the community and children. To a little talk about the work that Memphis Lip is doing to push the voice of the parents and taking this work seriously and letting people understand from policymakers to schools, understand the voice of the parents and making sure they're up front. Could you talk to me, Principal Mickens, on the work you do and your mail program that I, you know, I wish the state would adopt this type of programming that, that you, you created some time ago. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to shine on what you do with males community in your school. No problem, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we, we have a, a male mentoring club here uh, called the Sigma Beta Club. I am a, a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, and we have a male mentoring club here, a Sigma Beta Club, which is a club that um, consists of two or three advisors, male advisors, and right now, in total, we probably have about 35 students that are in this uh, in this organization. And, you know, we meet with them weekly, and, and our meetings with them are are us discussing real-life issues, things that are going on in their surrounding communities, things that are going on in the world, you know, things that they can relate to. So we touch on just about any and everything. And, and our motto is, you know, building our students up, do education and do dialogue. So, you know, we try to make sure that we prepare these young men for the real world, you know, what's to be expected when they leave us, what's to be expected when they leave these doors of the high school, the world that awaits them. So we try to build them up and prepare them as much as we can, and uh, we try to expose them to as much as we can as well, you know, bringing them uh, to different places, places that they've probably never gone before, uh, you know, New York Stock Exchange, for example, uh, you know, taking them to, uh, you, you know, maybe a play or an opera or something, you know, things that they've probably never, ever will experience, we want to make sure we expose them to that. You know, as we know, um, exposure is key. You know, exposure is definitely uh, something that that oftentimes gets overlooked. And if our kids aren't exposed to these things, then they'll never know. Um, and our hope is that through exposure, they'll be able to pass the torch one day and and pass it on to the next generation so that we can continue to grow. You know, in this population. So I I definitely think the program that we that we run as as Mr. Fraser is speaking with. Um, we've done a great job with building young men up, and and uh, you know, and we stay connected with those young men through college, through their work endeavors. You know, we've been able to have students have opportunities to uh, gain internships and um, go on to establish careers. This program that we have here, so you know, it's a program that we start from the grassroots, and we just monitor and and really advise students to go down the path that they would like to see themselves grow in professionally and be successful in. And also it branches out with that program. We have a program that Mr. Frazier has mentioned as well is a uh, overnight experience program. It's called the uh, Young Men's Empowerment Conference. Uh, This is our seventh year running this uh, program and it's an overnight conference where we bring in uh, young men, all young men, about 300 young men each year from this community and surrounding communities and we bring in uh, guest speakers, uh, to talk to them about all walks of life, um, you know, career-oriented gentlemen, um, and we come in and, and we really pour into our young men. We, we discuss topics that relate to uh, financial literacy, um, education, um, establishing careers, uh, life after sports, 
uh, preparing yourself for college, just to name a few. And our young men always come away from those conferences with so much invaluable information. And it's been able to really help direct and guide a lot of young men to go down the, the right track in life. So we're very excited about that. And we also have our um, I Am My Brother's Keeper program each year. We're at the school here. I, I really I shut down the school for all our men, young men here in the building for um, an entire day, so during the school day. They're, they're here in school, but they're in, in breakout sessions and, you know, conferencing with people, networking with other individuals, similar to the overnight experience, what we do during the course of the day. But we tie it into our school curriculum so that they're not missing the educational component. So we're doing a lot of great things here, and I look at it as we're saving lives daily here at Abraham Clark High School, which is the school I am the principal at. And I have to definitely, like you said, make sure it's understood that the work is being done. You know, a lot of us don't know as men what's going on, where it's going on that, and it's my duty to make sure that the community knows that things are going on. And and one thing I love about you, Mr. Mickens, is you have no problem with, you know, sharing best practices. I've, I've, I've brought different individuals in your circumference to just, you know, pick your brain on different ways that we can maneuver and making sure programming like similar to yours is able to exist in different communities and surround the community. So mm-hmm. I continue to thank you for your work. I wanted to ask you no. gentlemen to help me. So we talked about, and you threw a little twist in it on Principal Mickens when we talk about male engagement in the schools, you, you threw the twist when you're not just males as far as fathers and parents, males also as teachers and administrators also being engaged, mm-hmm. which is also just as thorough as a as a role that we need to play as males. But if we could draw down back to the parent angle of it, how, what, we, so we know we have our parent organizations, our parent groups, our parent PTAs. And I know because obviously, you know, not to toot my horn, I've been the president of several of them over the years, and I never brag, but definitely want to, uh, but definitely want to press upon the community that males, we need to do these things. We need to be a part of these parent PTAs and these committees. Yet, from your perspective, gentlemen, what's some of the things that keep men from joining parent groups and PTAs and getting involved on that side of the table on parent advocacy and parent engagement? Right. No, um, thank you, Mr. Frazier. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of them. You know, obviously one, one of the main things that people bring up is, is time, and they say, well, I don't have the time. I can't do it because – and there's so many things that people don't do because they don't feel they have the time. Um, I feel that time is available when we prioritize and we understand how important it is. So I feel the beginning is just understanding, you know. Like, we, we always make time for what we love. Everybody does their hours of work, whatever, many hours, how many hours you do a, a week. But um, there's always something that, that you stick in there, whether it is uh, hanging out with your boys or whether whether it is uh, playing playing a sport or, or any hobby. So if, if this is if the the people are listening uh, could relay the message and say, well, this is important and understanding why. I feel that men are pragmatic. We we need to know. Uh, that's me at least. You know, I need to know why I got to do something before I do it. <laughs> and and if today, so hopefully, somebody understands the the importance of engaging, or hearing their voices, or just being there, it's gonna give that that balance to all these organizations. It will give another view that only the man could give. You know, we're, main, we're wired differently than the females. We need their input, obviously. We need one another. 
Um, but when one of the sides is, is lacking, when a father is, is, is not around, so hopefully somebody else, an uncle, could jump in and say, okay, I'm going to be there for my nephew. I'm going to be there for my little brother. I'm going to be there for, for uh, you know, this, com- this, this kid from the community that I always see him walking around, and I don't know who, who's with him. So just showing up and, and making themselves available goes a long way. You don't need to be a great speaker. You don't need to be a great, you know, know-it-all. You just have to be present right. and, and, and willing to learn. That's what I see. That's a, what's one of the yeah. – 80% of the work is just showing up. That's the way I see it. <laughs> And if I um, if I could chime yeah. in for a second, if you don't mind, this is uh, this is Mr. Mickens. I, I'm going to take it from a different perspective, so to speak, because as an educator, we often do that, right? But um, I, I look at it like like this too. At the high school level, what I find is, and this is just you know not just with the males, but in general, I find with our high school students that parents tend to check out more often, right? Because they feel like the students, as they put it, know better, you know, like. Why should I have to come to these meetings when, you know, my student's old enough to understand or they can relay the message? You know, they should be able to relate the message to me as to what's going on in the school and, you know, we should be in contact with them. You know, the students are old enough now. They don't have to hold their hands through the process and, you know, they're big girls and boys and this, that, and the other. But we find at the high school level the students need their parents more than ever. You know, when we're often talking about that with my PTOs at meetings because parent involvement or PTO meetings is very dismal, and we often wonder why. But the parents, as Pastor stated, it's always, you know, I'm busy or, you know, I, I, I'm working two or three jobs to provide for my family. We get that, but we also say you have to find time for your children. You know, you have to find time. You know, if it's you not being there every day, but you at least have to show up sometimes to make your voice heard and to make your presence known. But I find that at the high school level in particular, you know, that parents aren't as involved as much as I would like for them to be because they feel like the students are older now. The students are older. Some of them say, you know, they kind of want to give them a sense of freedom, so they don't want to, you know, um, just breathe down their necks all the time or don't want to be as involved. They want to make sure that they're trying to, uh, I guess, have them go down a road of independence. But we find that you know, once that happens, we tend to lose them along the way. So the, the PTO and the parental involvement, even at the high school level, I want to point out, is, is very important. But, you know, often that's an uphill battle for us here at this level. I'm definitely tapping out early. Mr. Little, I know you got a little a young brother yourself. You know, you, you, you work on campaigns out there in Memphis. And I, and I act like I know you yeah. or nothing, but I, I, I do my homework. I see you out there really beating the streets up. <laughs> You're in the midst of it. Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the success of of really engaging parents to add on from our educator panelists is just switching it up. Like I've had the opportunity to go to school and befriend both people from my community who are primarily African-American and Latino, but also befriend and work with people who were primarily Caucasian and just like being at dinners at one another's home, like looking at the cultural aspect, one thing that I have noticed in, in other communities on the school level and the home level is that, man, my Caucasian friends, they just they have their support in high school because in their community they realize high school isn't the end. For a lot of parents in black and Latino communities, like high school was the pinnacle. Like you would say, you know, most of my you know, their ancestors dropped out, you know, sixth, seventh grade 
never high school. And so what we really try to work on is changing mindsets and creating a vision for life after 18. It's only the beginning. And, the, and our educator panelist said the best thing. He was like, this is when the students need their parents the most. I think as a fighter for myself, when I graduated high school, you know, I, they gave me a bottle of champagne. You know, I wasn't even legal drinking age, but we were popping bottles. And, and, and to get to college, they had nothing for me. You know, I had to beg a friend to say, man, look, we need to, like, make a pact. Like, wherever you go, like, I'm going. Because if, if you don't guide me there, I'm, I'm not going, period. And so we just have to do a better job with creating a vision. Um our parents to see that after 18 is only when life begins. Right. Pastor, I know you're in a very diverse community. What does this feel like to you? How do you, how do, how do you see this conversation? Because Mr. Little definitely tapped into something very thoroughly. And I, I like what Mr. Mick has also said when it comes to tapping out and when it also comes to seeing the diversity of other people and how colleges you know, where we're going and beyond versus high school and, oh, we, we've made it, we've arrived. What, what, what's your take, especially coming from a diverse community like Jersey City? Yeah, um, so the, the the way I see it, I mean, the different parents are going to be di- different, right? It don't matter the race at the end of the day. But the, the reality is, especially living in a place where, where you have, um, you know, parents that didn't have the opportunities themselves, there's a whole generational um, thing where there needs to be change. You know, if father probably or mom didn't reach a specific level, whether it was probably high school. Like, like I remember the conversations that I had with my grandfather. He he's a, a very you know Dominican guy from from the farmlands, and for him, he valued uh, how to grow crops. That was his value. You know, it was not about um, studying and reading books uh, he always used to question me what was I learning in college you know so for him it, the, the conversation was more do you know what was what what he could have done you know like what what it was useful in his time so when you have communities and people that come from all over the world and they they bring their expectations they bring their knowledge they bring their own biases so you you have to deal with a lot you know there's a lot of layers in order to really get to the core of the heart of what's limiting some of our, our young men to be able to do the work that they need to do or reach to where they need to reach or the parents. You know, a lot of these things is, is taking time to listen to these parents. What are the real reasons why they're not engaging or they're not there? And, and um, you know, to me it's more a matter of allowing myself to learn from all the people that we're listening to consistently. To, to be able to serve them better. I feel a lot of people want to serve people, but they don't really want to listen to them. And we might just go for the for the prejudice or the stereotype based on what we read on books or, or even on the Internet. But as we listen to families, we realize, oh, this is how I'll be able to help and support this young man to be able to go into college. And what is the right fit even for them? You know, is it better for them to go away for college? Is it better for them to start and get a trade first? while they go and then get their bachelor's degree. You know, so it's, it's a whole learning experience that, t- to me, uh, it's the value that we need to consistently have as good mentors, that this is a two-way learning street, that, that, that just because I, I, I could work with young people in a diverse community for a long time, 
there's always new communities coming up, especially Jersey City. We, we have grown more in our refugee community coming from countries that I was not familiar. We were primarily African-American and Latino in, in Jersey City, but now you have a lot of Middle Eastern coming, and they have a different set of values, and, and there's things that you just want to learn. So to me, I, I see that if we have that approach, we'll be able to serve one another better and continue to push our young men better and, as, as it continues to be diversified because everybody has different values, different goals, different settings. But here we are as, as mentors and leaders, all of the people in this panel and, and way, more, way more other people that are listening and want to help young people. So to me, I would say let's listen more and, and see that if we're willing to learn, we'll be able to help them to, to just break the barrier and move forward and everything. I love it. I love it. Principal Mickens, let me ask you, from, from, the, from the school's perspective and side of things, how can the school be more inviting for parent engagement? And, and obviously because today's topic is male engagement, and then even the males being a part of, of, of the, the things that's needed also that I see that we struggle for advocacy for funding, advocacy for quality education, advocacy for a different level of things that go into our schools and we need our schools. How can the schools be a part of inviting our parents and definitely our men to the table of, of support? Because I know you guys need parents, yet what's the part, how do we bring that into our, our, our not so much curriculum, but our, our thinking in the school? I, I really think the, the tone is set by uh, ensuring the parents that the environment at the school is welcoming and inviting. You know, you have to uh, reach out to parents, and we've done a good job at that here. Um, we, we have our struggles at times as well, but, you know, letting the parents know that you're welcome to come into our schools. There's nothing to hide here. I want to partner with you. You know, we're, we're allies, not foes. You know, we're in this business to support your children, our children together. You know, there is no me against you or you against me. It's about our children here. You know, we're doing the work for the children so that they can be successful. So that's pretty much, you know, the direction I go with all the time because I find it to be the most effective and the most productive, you know. If we partner together, the outcome is going to be more than likely favorable, you know. But if we're at each other's throats constantly, you know, you're not doing this the right way, well, you're not doing that the right way, then it's going to stall the process. And who gets hurt in the end is the children. You know, we want to make sure that we lift them up. We do whatever we need to do to ensure that they're successful, and that's partnering together, communicating with one another effectively, showing the children that, hey, we're on the same team. We're not against one another. We're on the same team, and the outcome and the ultimate goal is to support them so that their futures are pretty much secure. So that's pretty much the direction I take here as a principal at Abraham Clark High School. It's a little. And yet in your neck of the woods, is there is there a welcome? Is there an invite? Is there an yep. open door with the schools yep. that you work with? Or do you find some schools are still pushed back, don't want you at the table of decision-making, understanding the character and the design of the schools? Yeah, so, so some schools are pushed back, but I think for the schools that are open to any and every parent coming in the room, I think what they have to realize, like as fathers, like as one myself who is active, you know, it's still a little bit of like being timid to coming in the school and like really knowing if we're welcome, 
Um, but what I realized that it, it's like a red carpet. Like when we opened the door to fathers, we did a donuts for dads at one of the local schools here in Memphis. And when I tell you the event started at eight and all the fathers were there by seven forty-five, I was actually late myself. And then not only after the program ended, they stayed, they walked around the school, they were smiling from ear to ear. And I just think the more that we put into opening up the doors and, like, being proactive, and we just can't open the door. We have to literally walk them in and say, this is just your school as much as it's my school. No, that's that's, that's important. And it's powerful, opening the door and and being welcomed into the school. Pastor, what's what's your opinion? On, on the schools, are they are they welcoming or are, are they inviting or is there still some pushback in some of the schools that you you frequent? Yeah, um, there's some. So every school is different, and unfortunately, it's all about the leadership on that school. So I'm glad okay. to hear an educator and a and a leader. And I wish to say that every school is so welcoming and inviting, especially to people that are going to help with parent engagement. Uh, you know, it's very sad to know that there there are some schools where because trust hasn't been built, and it takes time for the trust to be built, especially when you're dealing with children that are not, they're not your own. That's why I feel it has to come from the, the stakeholders, the parents, the local, the people who are part of that community, um, whether it's a local church, a, lo- a local um, fraternity, sorority, uh, uh, all these chapters or clubs uh, uh, from the local schools or universities around that school, that community, it, 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 when it comes from the people that are from the community, there should, there, there's usually more trust to allow the support to come in for the parents and especially for the dads. So it's all about the leadership. So I'm hoping that if there's any person that's in leadership, uh, principal, assistant principal, you know, community aid, <clears throat> whoever deals with, with students, that they will be open to find somebody. There's going to be that person that they could probably trust and start building it little by little um, and, and not to grow weary in doing the work. Um, that's what happened to us on, on a local level on the work that we do community-based. It took us four years to honestly be part of the work that was happening in a local school. But we stuck it through and we started building things to build trust and to notice that we were there generally to serve and to just connect with the parents that were there and, and to really help the people that were there. And eventually it, it, it broke through. And, and you know how the field works. is consistently changing. So, so a lot of, a person might be there today. The principal might be transferred somewhere else. So you need to be invested and committed long term if you really want to do this work. That's the way I see it. That's what I've learned from my mentors. And that's why I would encourage anybody to make a long-term commitment and, and invite other people on the journey so that way it doesn't die when we're not around, when I'm not around. It just continues on when other people uh, could take it and take the vision to just really engage parents in their, in their children's education. Oh, my goodness. This is amazing because this is exactly the energy and different direction that myself as a father was definitely fighting the fight every day to make sure that more and more parents just give an investment, and I ask them to understand investment is time, energy. Sometimes you might have, have not have the time, but you may have the energy that, like one of the panelists said earlier, tell a friend to tell a friend. You may have the time, and I need you to participate, and sometimes the time is not necessarily physically being at a meeting, 
we have a whole bunch of different communication outlets that we engage with parents, and we want them to take advantage of whatever tool best suits them, yet take advantage of something to be engaged and to continue to be involved. Um, I had the opportunity to piggyback it off of what you said, Mr. Little, in regards to parents, the fathers coming to the pools. We did a beautiful Dad's Bring Your Children to School Day, and I had the opportunity to speak to 300-plus men in front of over 500 children all at one time. And one thing I asked them, if I said anything, one thing I definitely asked them to let it not be the only time we come to the schools collectively. You know, we have these big September dads come to school, breakfast for dads, this and that for dads. In September, we don't see a dad again until next September. So I challenged the brothers there to come back in three months. And when we come back in three months, we're looking to have another uh, arrangement of activity that we're going to engage the children with to continue to build up every quarter coming back to the school. So it's not a once-a-year thing. It actually becomes a three-times-a-year thing of 300-plus men engaging and, and, and bombarding onto the school to show the potential of what these young brothers and sisters could become and see. And I, I thank you guys for taking the opportunity to talk with me and to come and, and converse with me. Before we go, I would like if each one of you three gentlemen could take the opportunity in your own words and your own thoughts on asking men to get more involved in the communities of their schools. So each one, if you have the, if you could take the opportunity and speak out to, to men, because I just spoke to 300-plus men just last week, and it actually a, a parent videotaped it, and it went live, and I had over 2,500 downloads of people listening to that. So I know people are definitely engaged in this conversation and definitely want to know. So could you ask the men, could you talk to the men, each one of you guys, for a good one minute or two, and ask them and let them understand the importance of why we need them front and center in this thing we call education. All right. I, and this is something that I do for our Young Men's Empowerment Conference. You know, I do my blast. You know, I call it the uh, the community forum blast, where I try to get men from our community to participate in the conference. And what I say to them is, you know, I, I need for you to be here. Our, our students need for you to be here even more. Our young men do. They need to see role models. They need to see men in the community that, that are just average people you know, working, taking care of their families that are positive role models. You know, all too often uh, we glorify the entertainers and those that are on television all the time, and I know that, you know, they're important too. I, I don't want to negate the fact that, you know, they're a part of our culture, our students and, and young men look up to these individuals too, but they need to understand that your next-door neighbor who's the police officer is just as important, and, you know, you're your neighbor up the street who's a teacher is just as important, and your neighbor around the corner who's a mail carrier is just as important. And they understand that, that, you know, these people earn a decent living. You know, they contribute to society. They they are to be looked up to. Um, you know, they're men that, you know, really strive to do better for their community. They're making a difference in their community. So I often say that, you know, our young men need to see that. They need to see these people in their community. They need to have a voice. They need to connect with them. They need to perhaps talk to them about, you know, one day looking into establishing a career in one of their professions, you know. So these are things that I often talk about when I talk to the men about coming out and, and supporting our young men 
because their presence alone makes a difference. It really does. Just them being there, you know, to lift them up, to give support, to say, hey, I've been down the road, you're going. You know, this is how I got to where I am today. You know, there was some bumps and, and, and hurdles and obstacles that I had to overcome, but this is how I did it, you know, because oftentimes, you know, our young men may not know the direction they're going, but it may take one of us older gentlemen or gentlemen that's been there to show them the way. And I think maybe perhaps we may take that for granted at times. I know when talking to a lot of men in our community, they do. They often say that, well, Principal Mickens, the, I just feel like at times our, our young men especially are so so disconnected, you know, but they're really not. If you get a chance to really talk with them, I think we kind of oftentimes tune them out because we just see what society betrays them to be. But just getting to know them and knowing some of their some of their likes and things that they're interested in, that right there oftentimes for me is an icebreaker. You know, I do that. I use that as leverage to to get a chance to engage with them and and start dialogue and and develop a relationship with them. And then the, the trust comes into play, and you know we begin to dialogue more. And then I become a mentor. And these are just proper steps that are that are taken in order to you know, secure our future. I mean, these young men are the future leaders of tomorrow. So it's up to us as the adults in the community, as the elders, to show them the way. You know, it really is. We have to be that example. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Pastor, if you can jump in, I want the, uh, I want Mr. Little as a parent on the panel. I want you to close this out. But um, So, Pastor, thank- could you could you talk touch base with that? Yeah, well, once again, thank you for, for uh, the invite and allowing me to, to be part of this, uh, number one. And uh, I just want to say uh, to everybody who's listening, uh, there has to be an intentionality. We have to be intentional for young men to really um, change the course. And if we want to see whatever it is we want to see them do, if we want them to be more responsible and finish school and, and finish with good grades and be successful, it just doesn't happen by chance. We we need to be intentional in, in, in the work that we're doing. And for the moms or parents or educators that are listening, uh, one of the things that I loved uh, that one of my mentors shared with me um, was that we need to change the ratio. Uh, usually when we do camps and when we do, like, overnight outings, we, we tend to have a, a one-to-five ratio, meaning one adult for every ch- five children, just to make sure that we have chaperones and make sure that they see, they're taken care of. But she mentioned that we, we needed to switch that up and have five adults for every child. We, we need to create a network of support of at least having five adults that will be for every person. And, and that's like your, your support group. That's, those are the people that will speak into your, 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 your children's life and, and to the young man's life. Uh, so I, I'm not going to have everything. Um, there's things that I don't know it but I could always find people that could support just the young men that I have in my own home, my, my own son. Only he, he, He's only three years old, but I'm building that team around him of other young men um, and older men that have just a different knowledge and different fields just for him to to have big brothers that he can look up to because at some point there's my words are not going to be the words that he's going to listen to, but if I build it from now, and my son is only three years old, but I got to build it from today, and I've been intentional in telling this man, hey, I want you to be part of my son's life. I want you to be that voice as well. And, and, and children that I have mentored myself, now I'm telling them, well, what I taught you, uh, will, will you come alongside and help my son to grow up and to be 
uh, a man that's successful, a man that, that will be strong, and a man that will be a man of character. So I would just say, God, be intentional and in, in looking for that, those allies. And, and uh, again, if I could be of any help, I'll definitely put out my information. Um, somehow people could reach out to me, and we'll, we'll make sure that we continue to just support all the young men, or, or as much young men that we can. That, that's the goal. Um, but again, just be intentional in, in supporting our, our, our young men today. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Mr. Little, I'm going to round it out with you, sir. Okay. Um, again, like, thank you for inviting me onto the panel. Um, this is really good stuff. In the same way I started, I just want to end with one, like, a big thank you to black women. Um, black women who, when white women were, you know, staging a campaign for women's suffrage, it didn't include black women. When black men were fighting for our civil rights, although it included black people, black women um, were still on the low end of the totem pole. And where we are now culturally, like black women are leading our households um, based on a lot of factors that put black men behind. And so I think collective leadership, if you look at anything, if you look at the women's rights movement, they had white men who had to come in and support them. If you look at if you look at the civil rights, like black people were leading it, but white people were a big part of it. And I think the way we fix education, we can't do it with just white teachers or black mothers. We have to do it with everyone working together. And a big part of that, especially now in this day and time, are black men. And so a little bit of what I said before, we can't just open the door for our fathers. Like, we have to open the door, we have to lay out the red carpet, and we have to walk them through the process of being more comfortable um, inside of our schools because the more we invest in it, the more our schools will get better, the more our, ch- our children will be fully invested from having two parents who are ultra-focused on not only them graduating high school but taking them to the next level, whether it's the armed forces, college, or going straight into, you know, the job force. And so... I commend the panelists on here. I commend you, Mr. Frazier. But I will say, like, we need to all do this together. And, like, you're speaking to those 354. We have to set ambitious goals and say next time, like, we're bringing in 600 because we're connecting with other fathers who are at other schools and we're really starting a black man's movement. Um, And not to overshadow our strong mothers, but to work in partnership and hopefully get to their level um, with so much they've been doing over the years. No, definitely, man. You guys are amazing. I want to thank you all for coming on today. I know that, and I'm not even exaggerating, I already know that it's going to be a cry for part two, so I open the invitation. I hope you guys schedule all come together and we're able to do a part two to have live callers come in, call in and listen in and, and give their input as we continue to build on this topic because I think it's very needed. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in today on Parents Engaging Parents Show, Male Engagement, Building the Role Models Involved in Our Children's Education. Mr. Mickens, Pastor Hernandez, and Mr. John Little, thank you all for being part of this show. I look forward to talking to you all again. Thank you and God bless. Thank you, thank you guys. Take care. All right.
Get two classic bacon, egg, and cheese croissant sandwiches for five bucks at Dunkin'. Because two is better than one. Two is bigger. Two is more. And two doesn't mess around. That's two times the cherry wood smoked bacon and flaky, buttery croissants. And they're always made to order. Give one to a friend or grab two just for you. Two classic bacon, egg, and cheese breakfast sandwiches on a croissant for five bucks. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclusions may apply. Participation may vary. Limited time offer.